0: When it's decision day, but you can't even beat a nine-man Cincinnati, it's not so <laughs> With myself, Nick Thornton, and with me as always is Andrew Bates. Andrew, how are you this fine evening?
1: I am doing great. This is a North American soccer podcast. Um, oh yeah, and, and we watched quite a bit. There was a, there was a lot of games all happening at the same time this weekend, and I watched Decision of- Day, the Redux. I watched a lot of college soccer this weekend too. Oh, okay. Because of my uh Right, yes. Sorry, I was like, I did some You did I did some stadium yes. I did some stadium announcing for the UMB St John Seawolves, men's and women's teams, and caught a couple of games on Saturday and also on Wednesday, which was nice. Was Saturday and Sunday.
0: When you definitely watch too much soccer <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Just driving around the city in your van being like, any games going on? Let me at them. I just need to see one more I game. I need to see one
1: more game. But yeah, it was, good. it was good. Yeah. So I must have seen in addition to the attempt that I made to watch three games at once, uh, which, which didn't pan out the way I wanted to because apparently my, uh, my internet is a thousand years old. Uh, the, the internet cable in this apartment. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, well, that's, that's about the same streaming speed as Dazone anyway, so.
1: <laughs> what well, was the, that was the biggest thing that, that, and I don't know if they ever addressed it, but it was like, um, this is supposed to be the out of market. I, let me preface by saying this. I whined constantly about this on decision day, and it's probably not that major. I probably took a little bit out of the enjoyment for myself trying to, um, like really squeeze out that third third concurrent game stream happening, and, and I probably spent too much time refreshing and opening windows and new tabs trying to make that work. So I, it was it's a little bit on me, but also my DAZN it's payment... It's a little bit
0: on disown for only playing three of the games.
1: My disown payment came out that morning, so I was just thinking about it. That it was like, yeah. That, that, that there were 10 games, TSN was playing seven, or sorry, TSN was playing three of them, and DAZN was streaming two games live, not including um, Portland-San Jose, which is the only game with playoff, comp- like, one of the few games with playoff implications, where two playoff teams were playing each other. They didn't have that, yeah. and they had, like, I think two or three more games that they advertised as being on available on-demand at 11. Um, and I don't know if it's because they have, you know, also NFL had a lot of concurrent streams at that time, uh, but they were also showing darts live, so I have no idea if they had a technical limitation that prevented them from offering more. But if you followed their Twitter account, people were roasting them left, right, and center. Um... And, and yeah. the thing that I enjoyed that, that united uh, that united everybody is that there were so many people of different teams. And Every <laughs> Seattle fans are Seattle fans are mad at them. Portland fans in uh, located in Canada are mad at them. Just just all kinds of people wondering, you know, if you if you if people are expecting this to be a service, and I'm not one of the people that usually complains about the zone. because. I don't mind that they exist as a service. I don't mind that they keep getting rights, but it's yeah. expensive and it, I would like it, it to work. It is. <laughs> for,
0: for, well, and and that's just the thing and the number that's why I finally got rid of it too is cuz the number of times you go to boot up games and you spend half the time refreshing the stream um a TSN was worse, I'll give them that. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Ceases to be a, a really high quality streamer, but however, there was an awful lot of soccer going on on Decision Day Part Two. Yes, this is um, truly not deciding a hell of a lot, but certainly some things came into shape, and uh, we have our playoff brackets now.
1: It's it's interesting, you know. Uh, I think that that our discussion last week, to a certain degree, is wondering if teams are in form heading into it. And certainly the into the playoffs, and certainly in the last week, you would love to see teams um, really make their stamp on it. But outside of the couple of people, outside of the couple franchises that did have something to gain or to lose, either in terms of hosting a home playoff game or um, or qualifying for the playoffs or not, this almost felt like more of a of a goodbye to the teams that were not in the playoffs.
0: Uh, a little bit, yeah. Like, a,
1: like, like, regardless of whether or not you uh, you qualified or not, it was like the summation of like, well, what did you do this year? What do you? What will you remember? Uh, in, in what way will you remember this year? And and you will look at a uh, a result, for instance. And let's just start with this because I <laughs> maybe there's 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 so much happened and so little to analyze about Orlando two Chicago five two teams that are mm-hmm. two teams that are not in the playoffs and just yeah. defending awfully
0: yeah truly truly a spectacular MLS just battle of the who really cares anymore uh <laughs> I mean I'll say this I like uh, Tesho's first goal to kick things off um you know that I think that was his tenth goal for the year which I was yep. surprised to hear he had gotten that many so I think that's a pretty I mean, that's as high of a return as Orlando's had out of uh, a true striker in a while. So I thought that that's an excellent value-for-money player um, Mm. and good for him. But then a known goal that just seems entirely preventable, like a lot of Orlando goals, and then within six minutes, late in the second half, it's all of a sudden 4-1. And you're just like... Well, (laughs) despite it being a much better year and feeling like a much better year for Orlando, it truly does drive home the point that you could kind of just blow up the team again and start from scratch. I don't think they should, but a result like this against a struggling Chicago side, uh, at least a a Chicago side that struggled to play consistently, just you're kind of left scratching your head after this game being like, what did I just watch? I guess it doesn't really matter. It's over now for both.
1: I would go to bat for for what Orlando has as being something that's worth keeping around and that the pieces are good. Uh you said Tesho has ten. That's uh that's more than any Vancouver Whitecaps player.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm and that's what I'm saying. Is like there's been bright spots to to the season, but yet again, um I guess the the real difference when you look at Orlando overall, mm-hmm. yes, there's been some players like Tesho that have d- showed up and done a good job, um, but Dwyer's been more or less an, a non-presence again. Um, we've basically heard nothing of Will Johnson this year. I've barely heard his name. I think he's been playing for the most part. I don't think he's been out with any major injuries. And so I guess it comes down to is like, I guess having Nani got them some more points and some more goals and they didn't concede as many goals as they have in the previous year, but that was a pretty low bar. Um, and they celebrated by sacking their coach. So
1: yeah, James uh... O'Connor is gone uh, after one season. He had been an eternal hire. And the number one thing on your mind when we were texting earlier is, you know, who's gonna who's gonna get sacked or not? you know, this is, this is now where teams are going to start passing their judgments. And it's in, in a sense, it's a little surprising to see a first year coach get sacked, especially when it seems like such a project coach anyway. But I think that that is yeah. um, defend, defensible because of the, um the quality that the side has.
0: I think so too. My question for you is sort of like, do you think, like, are you a little bit surprised that they left it so late to do it? Like, they certainly gave him a fair shake this season, and I guess just the way that they played, you might as well just see it out until the end of the season. But I sort of felt like if this were the was the way things were looking, I, I guess they were they looked like they could maybe sniff out a playoff spot and and should just keep the ship steady. But they could have also been looking for a coach for the last few weeks had they just made this decision a little sooner.
1: I gotta, it's it's tough because there's a part of me that wants to stick by my feeling on Mon- the Montreal firing. And yeah. say that like you were in, uh, you were in a potential position, and you you fired your coach, and you lost out because of it. Um, did that not work there? It didn't work there. So there's a party huh. that thinks that 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 you know maybe it, maybe they did the right thing by trying to stick by the coach. Although if you look, but if you look at the running results, it's four draws from eight and four yeah. losses, and that's what
0: I'm saying is that, is that get, if if O'Connor had stacked up a few more points in the last eight games, I would think very differently. It just seemed to be, I mean, I mean, I guess you can say it wasn't bad enough to warrant a, a firing early, and it wasn't good enough to keep him. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, maybe it is the right call. I, I mean, I feel that I can appreciate what he did for the team. I think it's always hard to be an internal hire um, because there is a lot of pressure on you. And I think sometimes that's unfair to think that right away you're going to be able to make a big impact and turn the team around. So I thought he did well with what he had. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear his name again in MLS because I think he did try to instill some good principles in the team. Yeah. For me, this is still a team that really needs to focus on spreading that money out more around the the field. And they've made some good um, decisions in terms of getting themselves an experienced MLS goalkeeper who, uh, in uh, Brian Rowe, who had a good season overall. Um, And defensively, certainly tightened things up a little bit. But in terms of a spine of the team... um, I I think we can just safely say now that just getting an amazing world-class caliber older international DP is not necessarily going to get you to the playoffs. Um, It's going to win you some matches. Yes. But at what point does Orlando finally give up on this and go, why not just get two players, half of Nani's caliber for a whole lot less money and get like a really good center mid who can distribute the ball a little better and keep the team in a good holding defensive shape.
1: I have a hot take as to, as to how you accomplish this. Hit me with it. Trade Sasha question.
0: Yeah. I, I mean a year ago I would have said you're insane, but his, his quality, his, his service has really dropped off. Um, and, and, I don't I don't want to say his best playing days are behind him, but I, I think you're you're probably right there. If they move him on, um because I believe he's somewhere around seven or eight hundred thousand a year. And he only started a free, fourteen a lot of cap space. And he only
1: started fourteen games. Yeah. Um which which that's that's just like you say, Cap space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And in, in in New York he he had such a good role there, sitting really deep with um Felipe, I believe quite a bit um, and really playing ball distributor. But I think he was being asked to do kind of too much in Orlando. Um, and and we just saw that maybe he's a gr- as great as he has been in MLS. He, um, he, he really is a player that's not maybe the most versatile.
1: Um, another uh, of the Eastern Conference results was what I think is a, a result that was, I think, wider than the scoreline suggests Um New York City two one Philadelphia mm-hmm. I thought that um, that Philadelphia didn't look like they had a lot going on here they they have looked rough in the weeks leading uh, up to decision day and the I think that they um, they didn't do even though they scored on a penalty late I don't know that they did a lot to inspire you if those two those two teams met uh, in the postseason.
0: I definitely agree. Um, the thing for me about this one is, like, yeah, I agree. Philly wasn't at their levels. They haven't been at their levels for a number of weeks, as you said. Um, th- this game kicks off with just some brilliant, lively passing play from New York City FC that they've done so well all season. But they're passing like they're playing in the 85th minute in the 5th minute and just sort of dribble around Philadelphia while Philly's still sort of warming up and go up one nothing. And then there's just a really unfortunate own goal um, that just comes off of, like, there's, Philly's got all the players marked, and I think it comes off Montero's head. Yeah. And just chips over Blake. And then New York City has a handful of chances throughout the rest of the game, and Philly does, you know, they get themselves back in it with a penalty, but still don't really look like there's much fight in it. And I think they were they were lucky that New York City wasn't able to do more damage here. So, it, I don't know. I guess you could call it a fair result given the caliber and the form of these two teams. Regardless of how e- either played, a 2-1 result seems what you would expect. Um, that makes sense. But still major questions over Philadelphia. They're going to be facing DC United in the first round. And I'm... You know, I was all about Philly for most of the season, but I really am struggling to see what the uh, what the plan is for the playoffs, um, because they haven't had quite all their best players on the field at the same time, or clicking at the same time, in some time.
1: I wanted to say before we, we moved off that I loved the, uh, the Philadelphia player Fabian scores, and then Sh- him and Sean Johnson tries to... I almost thought there was going to be a, a card or something, is... John Johnson refuses to hand on the ball in like extra time, which yeah. he wants it, and he he basically reaches behind and tries to swat it away, and then there's a little bit of a tête-à-tête. But the goalkeeper never has a leg to stand on with something like that, no. do they?
0: No, I don't think so. I don't know what Johnson's playing at there besides time wasting, and then he gets in Fabian's face. Um, the other note I just had here is, I mean, I'm I'm not I don't want to body shame,
1: but does Marco Fabian just look a touch out of shape. I don't know. Like, just, I don't know.
0: Just a little, a little hefty, a little hefty. Let me look no? here.
1: Let me look here. I've gotta see. i gotta see some I evidence mean he's, to make this choice. He's a stocky guy, so I I I get
0: that he's he doesn't have the sort of slim profile of every MLS player. But I just had a couple points. Where I was like, I mean, he looks like he's been enjoying himself. Some Philly cheese
1: steaks. Maybe
0: that's just me being harsh on the DPS. <laughs>
1: I would say, no, he looks. Oh no, this is a picture of Bedoya. No mind. I'm, oh, I'm still, I'm, <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, I see what I'm seeing one now. I see what you're saying. Um, good news like for not... Philadelphia is you would you had said that they're coming up against DC United in the in the first round. That is not correct. Um, they are playing a team that also is heading oh. into the first round with some re- mis- uh New York Red Bulls. Racket. The good news for them. <laughs> Good, but perhaps the only sadder, the only sadder uh, team in the Eastern Conference heading into the play, the only sadder playoff team is New York Red Bulls, who somehow got swamped three nothing by Montreal at Saputo.
0: Yeah, and I think there's more to this one here, um, and it's unfortunate because the Red Bulls just needed something truly. They just needed 11 players to show up and kick the ball around for 90 minutes and not concede a goal, and that would have been a massive improvement for them. Um, It did, however, take them, I believe, uh, 13 hours or something to fly from New York to Montreal. Oh, I didn't know that. Through flight delays. I saw some tweets from Timmy Parker, who was none too happy about it, so... This was maybe more of a New York Red Eye versus <laughs> Montreal. Yes, I did think of that joke a few hours ago. Um, but this it really starts with... Timmy Parker looks pretty haggard in this match. He hasn't looked great for a lot of this season, but he just gets the ball poked out from underneath him by Okonkwo, who just bursts past him and then is able to feed it to uh, Boyan, who scores. And it, you just like, come on, New York, you just had one job to do. Like, just don't lose the ball when you're, like, off your center back, who's nearly at the halfway mark. And and then it's just all downhill from there. It, Real fast.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I didn't know about the red eye thing I had in my notes that it looked like they were banged up. I assume I had chaos style chaos style hurts written in my notes. <laughs> But in, in terms of you know we, we they always throw themselves forward throw themselves in the area see what happens and I saw a little bit of that but but that makes a little bit more sense that maybe they had extenuating circumstances that uh, that contributed to that fatigue. Um the the second goal here comes from uh, New York's Murillo, knocks down Raitala which is not called I think this is a penalty regardless but Iruty scores from. Tight, tight, tight on the left.
0: Yeah, I think it would have been called back as a penalty. I think this is a a good playing of the advantage where the ref sees it, but he also wants to see what's about to develop. Mm. Um, And I think that's a good call as well. And it's great for Maruti to see him... I thought he had a fantastic game. He's had fits and starts over the season, but it was great to see him in form heading into the playoffs and really... um, that's exactly the kind of thing Montreal needs. How many times have we said they've just not taken their chances and they haven't been lively enough. And this is one of those things it's MLS. You can't guarantee you're going to get that penalty call. So play till the whistle and good for Rudy for pouncing on that, who catches the defender thinking he's about to get a penalty call. um, And then is able to just slot it past Robles. Uh, This to me is really, there's not much chance on there. New York makes a drastic mistake and fouls the player for a penalty shout. And then Rudy just says, you know what? I'm just going to make sure this one goes in.
1: <laughs> the other thing, and this is also another reason beyond the, the flights that I think it's hard to judge the form of playoff team. Like, I wouldn't necessarily say that the form of a playoff team is a be-all end-all because um in, in this scenario where everybody was so tired, uh the Red Bulls did not start... um bradley Rake phillips or alex mule yeah and uh bwp came on um but the the that appears to me to be a lineup where you understand that there is not necessarily that you're especially after you've been through something like that 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 flight you're keeping your powder a little bit dry
0: For sure. And I think that that could be at play here, for sure, is wanting to to rest some key players and knowing that you're you're safely in the playoffs, but you want to have a good game, um, not knowing who you'll be facing next. So maybe that's the right idea here. I think overall, uh, this has been a really disappointing season for Aaron Long and Tim Parker and most of New York's defense. And even though they rested some key players, for me, they haven't had a full Healthy clicking lineup since like March, mm-hmm. so I I really even if they're able to play, I mean we know what how dangerous Royer can be by himself on a pitch, but I'm I'm still really hesitant to to go ahead and say New York Red Bulls have much of a shot, um, but you know given Philadelphia's form, maybe they can pull something off with some rested players.
1: This is kind of an interesting thing where we've talked before about how things can change on a dime and for these two teams that are in that situation um this is this is potentially the dime somebody's got to win this game yeah <laughs> and these are yeah. two teams that, that that could really use that boost um and Philadelphia is playing at home the the team that did not do itself uh, any favors on the form table, heading into the their matchup, is New England, who went to Atlanta. It's 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 mysterious how these things work out sometimes. That New England Atlanta will host New England, and they play uh, just weeks earlier in the same stadium.
0: Yeah, it's it's very bizarre, um, and it's. I don't know how you feel about it. I feel it's it's still kinda hard to call this one of exactly how things will shake out. True. However, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if it shakes out something like this. That for me ultimately for New England, as good as they have been under Bruce Arena, um, and with the addition of Boo of Bo is it Boo or Bo? Why do I keep mixing that up?
1: Gustavo Bow. Uh, yes.
0: Gustavo Bo thank you. And um, as good as Pania's been, who scores in this game, uh, as good as Carlos Gil has been, um, they just really haven't consistently looked much like much of a playoff team, have they? Like, they've, they look about where they ended up in the table, and not much better than that. And this game, for me, was sort of an example of that, where I was like, this is New England... Playing maybe not quite to their levels, but given the strength of their opponent, I'm like I don't know how much more like gears New England has to go here that they can exploit in the playoffs.
1: They had this weird the 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 season has almost entirely been these um these cycles for them where they started Mm -hmm. they started with that awful record that ended up with the um the coach had being fired um brad friedel where it was like what uh 12 12 games with two wins and two draws and then yeah. you know the the turnaround starts and they have this 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 charmed run of i want to say it's uh 11 uh 11 games with no losses and four draws where they can they can only do they can only do right they they've They've added, you know, these uh these seven wins. And then in the the third, the final third of the season has been all draws. Yeah. Where they've they've recorded, you know, six draws and three losses and two wins. So it's like there's the momentum there's times this season where we've seen them be able to be that playoff team that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But it just hasn't been for the last two months.
0: No. And they really have looked like a sixth or seventh seed playoff team, rather than anything much higher than that.
1: Which is better than how they started. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's
0: not a bad place to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's just one of those things where it's sort of like where the other shoe drops and you realize okay, like reality sets in. They've had this me- meteoric run, but to to realize like that was maybe a little bit flukish and them running on their own fumes a bit, rather than a sign that they had truly shifted course completely. I don't think Bruce Arena is going to be too upset by that because he's got a great team heading into next year that he can add a couple of pieces to. And Mm. then I think they can definitely improve on that. So like you said, it's still a good position to be in, but you know, they get caught up the pitch just too high on a number of occasions, which just makes it really easy for Atlanta to hit these pinpoint passes that just curl around defenders um, to feed Martinez. But even before that, this early goal from Darlington Nagby is just a perfect example of how New England's just caught not really paying attention. And Nagby kind of comes out of nowhere and just walks through the defense and scores. Mm -hmm. However, you know, the New England 2.0 version has Panilla break and a couple of minutes later, they're tied at 1-1. So you
1: think, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe there is something to this game. And the credit, the credit there, I would say, goes to both Benia for his run. Oh, it's not said who, it's not said who served him, but the 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 ball that that springs him, he's standing yeah. at half. He's standing just just inside the the New England. He's standing just inside the Atlanta half. And the but the ball comes like I gotta think like from the from ten yards away from the New England goal. It's a yeah. it's like a long, long, long ball forward that that creates this opportunity,
0: yeah, and then it's also a great ball that goes in behind the New England defense that get uh, feeds Martinez, but again, Martinez is sitting so high up, um and I really think the defenders are playing fast and loose here and and maybe not respecting his pace and ability enough, and they're just caught too far high up the pitch, and once Martinez breaks, he's on side. He's got the defense easily beat, and he scores. He almost gets another one doing basically the same play as well. Um, this goal from Julian Gressel, though, who had a, just a barnstormer of the game. Gress- and this this smash from Gressel to me is just like, all right, buddy, it's going in. You don't need to hit it that hard. Like, we get it. But, who a howitzer. He
1: looks like he's having such a good time. And also, it's like he's the one who swung in that ball for Martinez. So I always yeah. love that 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 they have that uh, dynamic this season where it's like I'll I'll get one for you, you send one to me. I'll get one for you, you send one to me.
0: Yeah, and it's it's it shows the quality of uh, Atlanta's side in that they, when they when they're playing well, they do play with so much swagger and ability. And it, as you say, like Julian Gressel looks like he's having fun from about the 15th minute on. And that's what you want. That's, that's a team that's going to win you an MLS cup again. Mm. And because they're, they're enjoying their football. They're playing with a little bit of definitely focus and determination, but there's a, a freedom and a looseness to it as well. Now that they've figured things out under, under Frank De Boer's reign, I guess. Um, I, I loved, uh, Martinez's little nod of the, the hat to Michael Parker's to announce his retirement at the end of the season um i thought that was nice as well as like you've yes. got a team that's rallying around their captain there's a ton of respect there um and a storyline that maybe people outside of atlanta united kind of made, didn't pay a lot of attention to but when you see the previous year's golden boot winner come down and do the uh the kneel the bow before the king and um i think before the match he'd said you know our captain but always my captain there's a lot of respect there between these t- players there's there's a cohesion to this group that really does feel like it's it's a team that's still something special and it could go on a, another deep run here.
1: The I really put that down to in 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 a in a season where we heard Zlatan Ibrahimovic say, "I'm the best player in the league. I'm the Ferrari. Everybody else is Fiat. We talk sometimes from a fan perspective. About trying to remember, make, make sure that we remember the history of the league and, 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 and think of, of what it looked like in the, in the nineties and, and try to take lessons from that time. But it's great to see that a player who comes from that sort of like MLS 3.0 era is yeah. not just, you know, nice to his teammate, but so, um, so reveres the, the achievements of a player. From, I mean, it's hard to say. It seems tough to say this about Michael Parkhurst, but to a certain degree from from the previous era. Sure. I think it's fair
0: to say. I don't think it's any disrespect to him. I think he'd probably agree. He's been around the game for a long time. He's probably feeling it in his knees and hips quite a bit. Yes. Um, But he's undoubtedly one of the best defenders that MLS has ever had. And he has an illustrious career. He's a big reason why Atlanta came so close to winning their first ever MLS cup. He's a big reason why they won their first. And he's a big reason why they are in the playoffs and had a hell of a season again. He's a natural leader. He's incredibly experienced, of course, um, and a talent that belies his years. And it's great to see that connection that talent recognizes talent and, and leadership as well. It's, it's something that's so easy to overlook that, At the end of the day, you've still got to get everybody on the pitch gelling and working together towards something and bought into a system. And Michael Parkhurst has done that, you know, just about everywhere he's gone with many different teams and different coaches. That takes uh, somebody who understands the game and understands people extremely well.
1: The final uh, match in the Eastern Conference, and I want to say that it's, there's almost a, a, we talked about this last week, not ready for the regular season to be over, but The way that the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference kind of split up for the last two weekends has this, also kind of has this elegiac quality where, where it seems like we're all getting hushed waiting for something to happen. Um, it's like, it's like the season before a series finale or a a season finale in a TV show. (laughs) Or sorry, the episode before a season finale in a TV show where it's like, we're moving pieces into place here and everybody is starting, everybody's starting to get lined up. The last Eastern Conference game is Toronto FC New England, where TFC win 1 nothing in secure a home playoff position.
0: Yeah. I mean, well the, you are slightly wrong because we missed one other Eastern Conference game. But it was
1: oh. it was the last
0: game played, I think. Oh, that's right. That's right, Columbus, that's right. That's right. Um, what am I thinking? What am I thinking?
1: We have not touched. A game DC. where nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. How could you forget? <laughs> How could I forget? Well, we talked. Maybe we talked about it at the top. But yes, you're right. This, let's, panel... but
0: let's let's talk about let's talk about TFC first year because this game for me is first of all there's a little bit more at stake here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that overall Columbus like they had their chances. Uh, Kamara certainly looking like a piece that could fit really well for them, but maybe it's just coming in a little bit too late to have much of an impact. Yeah. Um, and Toronto really has a few points in this game where it really looks like they're going to make a mess of things and cough things up, and it's really through some splendid goalkeeping that they keep themselves in it. Yes. Um, it actually, some good goalkeeping from both sides, but it's just one of those games where you feel like something's got to happen, and you see, I mean, Pazuello just goes, not on my watch, there will be a goal
1: today.
0: <laughs> and just embarrasses the goalkeeper by Uh, pumping a uh, a fairly short-range free kick over the wall and in. Um, But otherwise, not a ton in this game, and and one that I don't know how it leaves you feeling about these two clubs, but I feel pretty disappointed in both of them.
1: It's tough to say with Toronto, who I think um, are actually kind of looking pretty good. Obviously, a one nothing is not the most commanding win, and and they had to they had to labor to achieve it. Um, but Pozuelo looks great. Um, Josie Altador is missing the uh, the U S. Canada game coming up, uh, and mm. and the team U S. the U S. men's national team didn't announce what his injury was because they said we'll leave that to the club. Um, I wonder if it's the magical nine day injury.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah, that, I mean, I'm not at this point to say Josie Altidore is injured. I mean, he could be missing his head. That doesn't mean he's going to be out for more than a week. So, yes, I mean, I guess you could say, like, Toronto did finish fourth. They clinched a playoff spot. So they'll be going into things, um, I guess, reasonably fresh. All the teams get a bit of a break. So Altidore has time to do his Altidore magic and heal. Mm-hmm. But overall, I feel like this is Toronto really kind of I'm glad they won this game because they were limping across the finish line, but I was hoping for more from Columbus to, to give a little bit more of an account for themselves. And it definitely seemed like they just didn't get used to the new system, didn't get the right players in at the right times until kind of too late. I think overall, the planning for Zach Steffen leaving just didn't seem to really pan out the way they'd hoped. It right. really seemed to cause them some just mentality duress um even though their goalkeeper has been good overall um so it it, i guess i guess all i'm trying to say is it's good for toronto to get a win going into the playoffs they'll be facing dc united out of the two of those you have to think (laughs) toronto's been playing the better football so um but they're two pretty evenly matched teams
1: well, I mean, in, in, even if it's adjacent to them, DC United has one of the most talked about players in, in world football this week. Also true. <laughs> the, I mean, to a certain degree, you know, um, he's been something that we talk... Wayne Rooney has been something that we talk about a lot in, in terms of um, will will he be able to sort of have that commanding performance in, in what will be his, his final games with the team um, to sort of prove almost the sense that it was, I don't know if you could, if, if it's even necessary to prove that it was worth it at this point, because obviously he's had a huge impact on the team's mentality and culture, but will that have an impact on the field in in this game? They certainly did not enter with the, the biggest, uh, the biggest form boost.
0: no, no, I mean, and the players that you want to see performing have have certainly been better. I mean, the DC game, if we're switching to that, I don't think you can say too much about this other than like just get your body over the ball and try to get one at least on frame instead of ten mm-hmm. yards over the top of the net. Um,
1: and Rooney wasn't there. I should mention he was splendid, but if, but yeah. but the overall questions about form remain.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, Ariola's come into form at a good time. Um
1: This was the olysses Segura game. Yes. <laughs> in which he had yeah. his, he had a, a he tries to, you know, he gets a, a shot in off of Nick Haglip's back, but it hits the post. Uh the the is it a double red card?
0: Yeah, there's a double red card for Cincinnati, and I think in the 30th minute or somewhere around there, they get two players sent off, um, one for just a really bad challenge, and then another one for uh, hands-to-the-neck face. or
1: Hands-to-the-neck, hands-to-the-neck, you can't do that, you get sent off. And, and
0: Facial extremities, I mean, two pretty clear red cards. And it's
1: Lamont, um, who I think that's not the first time for him this season.
0: No, and also, I believe, shortly thereafter had his rights waived by the team, so he will not be returning next season. Really? That's fast. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think think that's the case. I'll have to double-check. A few players uh, were announced that they have not had their options picked up um, and have been waived after this game. I actually think this is a pretty good game from Cincinnati. To me, two players down for the better part of 60 minutes really have almost nothing offensively to put into this game, and they're just defending for an hour. Um, I, I would have to say it's a little frustrating for old Jans there that the, they haven't been defending this good for, since
1: he's arrived. That's true. <laughs> I mean, uh, Segura, I love Segura, Segura scores and has a goal, uh, disallowed for offside. So right. that's a close. So he had, so he had really the, the, the three tool, the three tool game. Um, but you're right. It's like, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the, the Cincy record here, and it's just like the, what's been interesting about them compared to other teams that have been bottom of the league is that there's been flashes of positivity in ways, you know, they, they, they drew out their last three games. So they went in, the the team, you know, in that, in that bad position, um, went kind of is undefeated in three winless in th- mm-hmm. winless in four but undefeated in three um and so they've been trying to sort of you're right that they've been able to get the results and and certainly through July and august, it's not like they could have ter- really turned things around in any material kind of way, but as the project as the project continues, I'm trying to turn the team around and and get a better year this year. you certainly look at some of these. These one fives and three ones and three one, uh, four ones that they had it, uh, in late August, early September, I think. I definitely, mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree with you that it's like, wait, where was this then?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, it, sorry, just pulling up the five players here that had their, um, that had their options declined. It's Corbin Bone, who I think scored the first Cincinnati goal for MLS, I believe. Um, Justin Hoyt is out. Roland Lamar is out. Ledesma and McLaughlin are, had their options declined, but they're still negotiating with the team. So it looks like Emmanuel Ledesma may come back. That one seems to me like, considering his form and what he's given to the club, you have to think that they'd pick that option up. But
1: Ledesma will, um, in, in Ledesma will stay in the league for sure. If they, if they don't, if they don't sign him, he or not, we'll say in the league, but it's like if they don't sign him, somebody's going to snap him up. That's not going to be a uh, that's a that's going to be a quick pick from somebody else.
0: Yeah, for sure. He's he's a player that you don't really want to leave unprotected as well. So oh. um, you think you you have to think that one will pan out. And then Victor Uyoya is also out. Um, he's out of contract anyway, but. Um,
1: this yeah, this really it, seems to me like a coach who who has been has a head start on figuring out who they want to who, who they want to get gone. Absolutely, and to to leave with
0: something to say about Cincinnati because in truth we I mean we haven't had all that much to talk about with them for the better part of uh, the last few months. Is I think that next season is going to be great for them. I think that they do have some really valuable pieces in their roster. I think that. Um, The new coach has obviously been able to get more out of the squad. There still remains big question marks for me around certain players that just never quite turned up. And what do you do about a player like Fernando Addy that is still under contract, but just doesn't seem interested in playing football? And also you have to think there's probably not a ton of MLS clubs really chomping at the bit for his services either. Um, but it's an expensive piece to be carrying that's that ha- has not turned up in the way they needed him to this season, either professionally or just in terms of his goal-scoring ability.
1: Yeah, it's that... That decision to bring him in to play half a USL season has got to be something that didn't work for either player in or either, either party in retrospect, and I would hope the other teams thinking about doing that um don't don't get into that issue because by the time that MLS rolled around it's almost like the the earth was so salted or was already so many problems before the, yeah. like like but, like by the time that things that st- the wheel started falling off it's like he had already had this sort of negative bad history with the team and it's like maybe maybe this it wasn't the only reason they're bringing him In Early was not the only reason why it didn't work out, but I certainly think it didn't help.
0: No. it's And it's it's just so unfortunate to me because I feel like Addy is a player that I mean, he's got his own future in his own hands. Like, he's nobody but to blame but himself for the lack of form and the lack of focus and the lack of professionalism. He could be a major MLS star. And when you're getting outshone by the likes of Darren Maddox, who is truly not the greatest striker, but consistently shows up and works hard, you know, that's what matters in MLS. Doesn't, you just, we can't say it enough is you can have the great pedigree, you can have the swag and you can have the, the speed and ability, but if you're not focused and you're not going to work hard, you're not going to get the minutes and you're not going to get the chances. And and the, the striker situation in Cincinnati to me is a, such a perfect example of that, how Darren Maddox has quietly put in his work, and yeah, he's missed some golden opportunities, but he's also had I believe he scored more goals than Fernando Addy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the in this let us let us bid goodbye to the Eastern Conference and move to the Western conference.
0: Let's do it. Let's get um, out of here
1: the let's start I guess at, at, at what would be the the, the headline in, in the history 33 34, 35 goals for Carlos Vela. Yeah. Was it his birthday or something? Because this game was ridiculous.
0: Even for LAFC playing Colorado, these two first goals, nobody has any business scoring those. The first one is, I mean, you just, how many times do you need to watch him and to be like, maybe somebody step up and don't give him that much space to just essentially take a free kick (laughs) from a dead ball. And just curls this amazing hit into the goal. And you just got to be like, I mean, he's the best. Who's better than Carlos Vela this season? Nobody. Um, and then he's got to follow it up with a bicycle kick. <laughs> like, just get out of here. Get out of here, Vela.
1: He you show off. He shattered Joseph Martinez's record. Um, great, great showing for uh, LA. Uh, a golden boot, a golden boot winner himself, Kai Kamara. Uh, gets the low goal for Colorado. Um, in what I believe would have been Tim Howard's, uh, last game. Did he play? He must have played. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He, he did play. So it was Howard's last game.
1: The, uh, in the, the song song for, for Tim Howard. Um, but this was a, this was an LASC showcase and, uh,
0: sure was
1: that third goal is just kind of like a, you know, a running, a running play with. Walker, Walker Zimmerman, and Vela. Yeah. Um, the they're looking great heading into uh, a lengthy break with the international break in the and the the, the first round bye the their nemesis, their disaff counter or their 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 counterpart, their foil, LA Galaxy, the dark,
0: the dark side of the force. <laughs>
1: Had a, uh, a much more frustrating day because, you know, um. Hey, what happened? (laughs) Zlatan scores, Zlatan scores first. And that puts him, what, on 30? At that point, it's 30 and 32. So, stranger things have happened, including, uh, in terms of, of, of the idea that he could somehow score twice. Um. And and maybe try to hop Vela, but not only do they fail to do so, they lose four nothing to Houston. I mean,
0: your last two games of the season, you're already you've clinched your playoff spot, and you somehow slide down what what do they slide down? Three spots in the end? Yeah. That's... Um by losing eight getting outshot eight to uh five. By two of the worst sides in the Western Conference,
1: you lose it's really your, something. You lose your home, you lose your home advantage, and you you're eleven and five, eleven five one at home, and five ten and two on the road. Yeah, they're just they're so so open. It just
0: <laughs> it boggles the mind. Even to play Houston, I felt like you know Elise really took this game to them and and really showed up for his teammates and made something of this game, but. My God, you just can't drive home how bad LA Galaxy's defending is this season. As a unit, it's gotta be one of the worst in the league, even outside of clubs that statistically have coughed up more goals than LA Galaxy. This is just such an utter, just farce. <laughs> I, I, there's not a uh, there's not really a goal that Houston scores here that is. Like, not entirely
1: preventable. Yeah, there's like, there's this, could you maybe, uh, could you maybe have given them uh, L.A. a, a, a pass on the rebound goal in first half injury time Ramirez scores, or do you think that they just gave Ramirez too much room?
0: I mean, uh, sure, I'll give them a, a little bit of a pass for that one. And Ramirez scores goals like that, right? He's going to just scream out of nowhere and pick up the rebound, say thank you very much, and get get his team a goal. We've seen him do that for Minnesota um, and then with LAFC. But I just, you know, Houston gives up two goals because of characteristically they just don't seem to be that interested in marking players in their own box <laughs> and just dropping off of players and being like, let's just wait and see what develops here. Let's not get hasty, and you get too close.
1: Don't you worry?
0: Don't you worry about a thing. Um, but I mean, I, I think they can even be forgiven for, for giving Elise so much space. But there's a number of times where he he literally just he runs by the defender so fast they just fall over. They're not even making a challenge. They're just like slipping on banana peels. Just their legs give out. <laughs> um And Houston, you know, Elise is basi- basically basically on one play able to basically dribble just down the goal line through two defenders. There's nothing on. And he's able to put the ball into the box to an unmarked player and they score again. It's just. I... Zlatan seems none too happy with his teammates. There's only one way that L.A. advances and. It could just happen. Because they're gonna be facing Minnesota. And as good as Minnesota have been, and we'll get to them in a second, I do think Minnesota can beat LA Galaxy. I mean, if Vancouver Whitecaps could beat LA Galaxy, Minnesota can beat LA Galaxy. But you have to think if they somehow beat Minnesota and they end up against LAFC, statistically, the odds
1: are in Galaxy's favor. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which no. is wild. <laughs> They do have to get past Minnesota. The the one the other they do, reason that I would give. The other reason why I would give them uh the other reason why I would give them any uh, amount of a chance, I don't think we really have taken the time to take stock of how good Christian Pavon is. Um, it's true. It's with, true. with all yep. this talk of, you know, is is Vela better or is Zlatan better? Uh Pavon may be better than Zlatan? Yeah. Um, well, and and Zlatan seems very
0: happy to let Pavon do his thing as well. They play very well together. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. And we've maybe only now. seen glimpses.
1: You could say that now, like like Pavon may not be better than like career Zlatan, but and and certainly he doesn't do the same things. No. But uh, but as an influence on the pitch, I think that he's going to be if they if LA does anything that they will be he will be absolutely um, a, a huge part of that. Now we can talk a little bit about Minnesota because here's the, here's the thing. And, and you're absolutely right that the, the second round LA Trafico in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs would be wild. And LA Galaxy kind of have the edge in that a little bit in terms of the, the results in the, in the season. But there is in, I mentioned LA having a, a 11 wins at home and 10 losses on the road. Well, there's another team that has a record that's a little bit like that, and that's Minnesota, who has only lost once at home this whole year, although they lose on the road all the time. Yeah. Um, And so that's, that's certainly not an easy place to go and play. Certainly, I would assume not in the playoffs.
0: But things are kept interesting here because Minnesota, I thought, had a, a bit of an easier task against um, a Seattle side that, who knows what Seattle you're going to get from week to week this season, <laughs> um, especially this late in the season. And there's not much in this game, aside from a just completely unmarked Roman Torres header in. Um, Ethan Finley has a has a pretty good chance. He strips a defender and almost equalizes, but clatters it off the post. But other than that, there really wasn't much showing from Minnesota in this game, which I was really
1: surprised by. It's true that the week after goal-scoring marvel Michael Boxel, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, scored. You had you had so much. You had so much. You know, uh, going on from throughout the throughout the pitch. I mean, ultimately, that I think it is interesting that you don't see. I you did not see a lot for there for Minnesota at all, except from the individual effort from Finley. And, and as good as Finley is, you're going to need to see. More and You're going to need to see players like Jan Gregoosh and, and Darwin Quintero step up, and they may do so. And I think they'll be motivated to do so against LA Galaxy.
0: If there's not a fire underneath Quintero right now, I don't know what's going to motivate him. I mean, he's mm. really sort of fallen off in the latter part of the season, so I, you you expect more here out of them, but... Once again, Seattle Sounders, what is there this this their seventh consecutive season in the playoffs. Um looking pretty good, and you have to think going in against a Dallas that's been all over the map. Um they they're going to be ready to to take things on another wild ride here.
1: They'll have home they'll have home field advantage and uh up until the the conference semifinal.
0: They will. Um, they will be facing a Dallas side that will be pretty happy with this week's performance because uh, they were able to squeak six goals to the good against uh sporting Kansas City side. Uh, I mean, this is just a real wolf of a game from SKC. However, I don't think Peter Vermees can be blamed for playing a very young side, and this, to me, is an exhibition match. He's just trying to get a look at some of his players for next season. Um, there's really... Not any contest to this game at any point. And they don't waste any time because Pomichol scores right off the bat. Uh. And there's just nothing else from Sporting Kansas City outside of a couple of half chances. Um, it's unfortunate for Dallas that none of their fans came to watch this game. But um, overall, Dallas is heading into a pretty good position in the playoffs. Um They'll be happy that they got a nice, tidy win and got some different goal scorers going. I still got to think Seattle beats them pretty easily to to advance, but we'll see. Could be interesting.
1: That's another one, looking at their records, where you have a team with uh, 10 or more home wins and 10 or more away losses. Um, yeah. And we've seen, we've seen an FC Dallas look anemic on the road. So, so that's something they're going to have to figure out. And ultimately, um, this is one thing that I wanted to talk about with this, the weird, the weird atmosphere of, of Portland, uh, were in, in the only truly other than Dallas, Dallas winning, you know, we, I'll, I'll say that Portland was the only really competitive game, but really, Dallas doing what we have wanted them to do all season, and t- really just comprehensively taking their chances, making it no doubt they they have the kind of dominant performance that we are always you know sort of hoping to see from them. Um, cuts off any further speculation of really. I think like it doesn't it doesn't it cuts off the the Colorados of the world. Um, mm-hmm. but. So that was the, mo- the most important, I think, from a playoff perspective, but also Portland, San Jose. And Portland is the one that takes this, but there's almost, now that we have our new playoff format where there's no, um, paired ties, there's almost an elegiac quality to this 3-1 win that you're seeing your, uh, you're seeing your, your departing armies off. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the Portland fans won't see them again for the rest of the year. Uh, do you, now that we're here, we've had all year to think about it, but now that we're here, do you kind of regret that? Or do you think that, you know, if you if you felt strongly about having a home playoff game, you should have placed higher?
0: Yeah, I
1: I think you just said it there. Like
0: <laughs> Portland has had a, a mare of a season. They've been very fortunate and I mean through their own hard work have been able to get in. I thought this was overall a pretty dominant performance against San Jose, who had a really disappointing end to their season. Um, with I think this was their sixth straight loss, or maybe seventh. Um, Wando was able to get them one back and save them some blushes. But um, San Jose just looks, very, again, very easily beat in their own box, completely out of sorts. Almeida did confirm he'll be with back with the club next season, so that's great news for them um that they'll be keeping their coach. But I think Portland just
1: sorry, go ahead. Let let's just let's just actually confirm that though, because we love him. I love him. This his his system has been the biggest conversation. Um but do we after they they miss the playoffs after having looked so great at at stretch of the season, um do we think that like this is ultimately a great performance by Almeida or like you know, great work by Almeida this season and that we want to see him back or is it rough to have seen it all sort of fall apart late
0: I mean it's certainly rough I don't know that it's fair to say it's completely fallen apart I think that there were pieces missing early on from this side and that has played out in the latter part of the season, as it did in the first part of the season. The difference is they found a way to score goals and play together as a team. I think Almeida is probably likely to tweak this system a little bit. And, yes. um, and, and and we'll see a much stronger side.
1: This is not to, however, this is, of course, this is of course not to like, to say that I think that he's bad, but it's like, let's, I feel like it's worth at least having the conversation when a team has that. But you're right. They did suck at the start of the season. And it has been a huge improvement, just like New England.
0: And even though they've lost seven straight, I'd still say that none of those games they've played horribly, I don't think. I think they've at least, they've not been blown out in the same way they've been blown out against other teams. It's still just that defensively, if they're going to continue this man-marking thing, they've got to get it figured out because they do still become a team that's very hard to score against. That being said, I think Portland really takes this game to them and turns the screw on them and take nothing away from how good Portland played here because a player that really needed to step up for them was Sebastian Blanco. And yes, they already had won the game, but this free kick from him is just as good of a free kick as we've seen from anyone all season.
1: Yeah. And...
0: Is this this is what you need? The big thing for me, though, and for a lot of Portland Timber fans, is what is going to happen to the maestro Diego Valeri, who now Portland seems like they don't want to pay, and there's a big question mark about whether or not this will be his last season with
1: the club. Um, it's interesting. If I were them, I would not think about it at this point in time. I, I, I guess he missed the game with uh with. You know, a day to day injury is that correct? Um, mm-hmm. He had like a questionable with right lower leg, which I think is. Well, no, I guess they had the game. This was a this was a a must win game for them, so I wouldn't necessarily have held them out. But uh, if there was any way around it, but I would, I would. It would be best suited for me to leave thought to this until you'd played some playoff games, because. Um, or at least from Portland, I would I wouldn't even have any more talks mm-hmm. until don't don't create a distraction for yourself in terms of don't you know whip up the winds if you can avoid it. Um, sometimes uh, a player can have a great year, and that uh in mm-hmm. in that means they want to stay and they're happy. Sometimes they can have a great uh, playoff performance, and that means they want to leave. Um, so the, the last couple of games can really sort of influence things, but I wouldn't really, I would try to talk about it because it would create such problems. Although that's a serious answer. And my joke answer the tr- is... The trouble is... Yes. What's the, the trouble? Well, well, the trouble
0: is that the, the person who's talking about it is Diego Valeri, who Ooh. has quite, I mean, I, you know, I always feel kind of weirdly about players discussing openly their contract situations, but... Um, especially at a time like this where it is a bit of a distraction for the club but I think he's right to be like have I not earned this to just get paid what I'm worth um yeah
1: that would be such a mistake
0: and certainly like because you know the fans are on his side and it maybe that's all I'm sure it's all part of his nego- his contract negotiations um because it's really only going to be the owners that are have any question marks over whether or not they do think he's earned that and want to pay him hit and The reality of the MLS system is it's very hard to make those decisions because it's not that he hasn't earned it. It's that if he has a year where there's more injuries and doesn't have the same production rate, it's not that he's not worth it. It's that that money can't go anywhere else. And you're stuck paying a lot for a player who's going to have some fantastic goals and be a great leader. But we've seen MLS sides that have been too sentimental about that and suffered because of it. I don't think that's the case here. But I can see the reasoning behind, kind of wondering, do we really want to go ahead and pay a multi-million dollar contract to a player that's in their twilight who
1: still performs, but,
0: you know, again, is not not, uh,
1: totally immune to injuries? Because I think that you talk about teams that weren't sentimental about it. Because of the acquisition that Toronto made, I think that you mm-hmm. can only look at. I don't know what how that worked on the other end, but Pozuelo has had such a good season mm-hmm. uh, and, for sure. And and I don't again, I don't know if Javinko has scored you know bucket loads of goals where he is. Um, but they this was a this was a a a team that bet on the idea that they weren't going to be getting that produ- uh, production probably. Or that they should be, they should look elsewhere for that production, and they found a player that that could provide, in a sense, that same sort of role on the team. So that would be where I would look at with Portland. If you mm. if you move on from Valeri, does do you have a player in mind that could step in and fill that gap right away? You better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um the uh the the joke answer I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. I was, I was saying my, my serious answer is don't talk about it. If you're, if you're Portland, try to, try not to talk about it as little as possible. Uh, the joke answer is who needs Diego Valeri when you have Larry Smaviala <laughs> Who, who indeed, who has great goal. He, he scored the first goal here. And, and, um, if you recall from years past, um, perennially has nothing burgers in the regular season and then is for some reason an unstoppable playoff performer. Yeah. And uh, it, it seems like that might be happening again, but it seems, it seems that he's, he's like a, uh, like a, like a high, like a reverse hibernating bear. He's, 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 he's popped out of his slumber and he's ready, uh, ready for action. It seems playoffs put me in coach <laughs> uh, so I'm very I'm very excited about that you um, attended Vancouver RSL
0: yep final home game of the season final game as a season's ticket holder for the foreseeable future uh, final season with the Curva Collective down there in section 204 as they will be joining the Southsiders etc next season in the first ever uh, United players section, uh, supporters section. So they're
1: just moving, um, out of their, so a, they're moving out of their section, in other words.
0: They're moving out of their section and they're going to be joining the Southsiders and everybody else in a general admission supporters area, which is great. Um, so there was a big send off there. Uh, got called down by Zach almost immediately to become a part of the, uh, Tifo display, uh, which is great.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, so I got to wave a nice big flag, which I haven't done in a long time, so that was fun. Um, and that was probably the highlight of the game for me. It, it would have been regardless of the result, because there's some excellent human beings down there in the Curva, but uh, pretty blanks late um, and not too much to answer uh, and and do for the end of the season for Vancouver. I thought RSL didn't play particularly well. But uh, it turns out you're going to have to mark Demir Krylak in the box. (laughs) The 30th minute just taps it past Kripo and um, it just peels off of Henry's shoulder and Henry's not really following him. And it's in a few chances here and there, but overall things kind of finished how they started with a bit of uh, a whimper. And, It actually sets up to me one of the more interesting playoff matchups in the entire thing, which is Portland versus RSL. I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup to watch because both teams are hungry. Both teams have had their ups and downs. Both teams are performing right at the point they need to be. Both teams have most of their best players fit. It's going to be really exciting to see what happens with this one. This one, to me, is one of the, the ones where I just go, like, I don't know how to call this one. Part of me says Portland, but part of me says RSL's like, not down and out against any of these opponents in either conference. So, we'll see.
1: It's true. I mean, I think that both this result and the Dallas result, those are, those are two teams, RSL and Dallas, that I... Don't count out necessarily, but despite their decent table position, I haven't been the most impressed. Certainly not from a consistency perspective. Um, but they got the jobs, they've, they got their respective jobs done and and RSL earns a playoff game. And they are certainly a team that have the, uh, that have the personnel. Uh, Mm -hmm. like you said, Albert Ruznak was great here and it could be great there as, or it could be great in that game as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It could, it's very interesting to see what will happen with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, RSL has got a a great side again. Um, They didn't have the best game. They haven't had a great away performance or many great performances, away performances sorry, this season. Um, it, It was great to see Nick Raimondo for his last MLS game. Really tried to, to scream loud enough to see if I could get a boot or a glove or something, but it, w- it wasn't to be. I did get a little video of him walking off the pitch for the last time, so you can just go see that on our on our Instagram. Um, I got to to have a quick little chat with Russell Tybert after the game just to shake his hand and, and say thanks. It was, they were looking pretty dejected. They want they really wanted something for the fans to win it, um, but I also appreciated that um, uh, Kropot and Mark Dos Santos spent a lot of time walking around, um, signing autographs, shaking hands with fans. I got to have a brief little chat with Mark Santos, and just kept my notes to, you know, thank you. We still believe. Good luck next season. And he very sincerely appreciated it um, and spent quite a bit of time chatting with fans. So it's not the way we wanted things to end, but there seems to be a little, still a glimmer of hope. And, you know, the diehard fans still appreciate him and, and they wanted to stick around and, obviously ap- appreciate what he's he's done at the club so uh th- thus ends the story of the 2019 white caps is k- kind of just more questions than answers but not without its hope
1: we can uh we can sort of expand on that topic a little bit more perhaps next week as there's uh there's a dearth of games so we can, mm-hmm. we can we can examine some of these situations in more depth but with the in this the last performance of these 2019 Whitecaps what would you look at as being one of sort of the the positive surprises or 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 one of the team's best assets or uh, 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 positive things going forward to next year what would you what and this doesn't have to be necessarily a specific player but what would you predict mm-hmm. about what we currently have
0: I do think they have a good core group of players that if they are given better counterparts, they'll do well with. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, they've got a fairly reasonable spine of the team. I still want to see an acquisition of uh, a, a true defensive mid that's got some size and bulk and is able to hit some hard tackles, but also connect plays. I think that's what we hoped Andy Rose would be and was a good acquisition. He's played okay, but... I I don't feel like he's necessarily worth keeping and I'm not going to do a rundown of every player that I wouldn't keep. I think the back line is, despite the number of goals we've given up, is pretty close to something good. I don't imagine Henry or Cornelius will be going too far. Um, Godoy's seem to have his value and will probably be coming back. So there's, there's lots of really core pieces there. Um, there's going to be a tremendous amount of offensive rollover, you have to think. And you keep hearing Marc Santos say, I just need to be really focused on a player of a certain type of profile that's going to fit MLS. And I can't help but feel that's just code for bigger, faster, stronger. Um, there just needs to be more size on this team. And truly, we've just been out-muscled on a lot of plays and places in the park where we've got good players. You see a player like Chirinos out there who's got talent. Um, as Venuto did, as Bangura did. But they're just too small to really make an impact against big, bulking MLS defenders. And uh, that, for me, is really an area that I, I think protect the core, the, especially the defensive core, because if you put some better players in front of them, I think they're going to be a little bit more at ease and, and play more to their levels, and obviously the attacking pieces. But um, other than that, it's we need the big boys. Big boys,
1: please. And we've talked a little bit about how the addition of a, even if he's not necessarily the largest player to St. Ricketts as it the team, just being able to play physically. Um, Yep. The, this is the first half of when in their, in their season ticket renewal drive, when they said you get till, till January, if you renew now, you can cancel in January. If you're not happy with what we've done. Well, the on-field product to definitely not improve during yeah. the course of the season. And so now it's all up to that that bet that they're trying to make with people really comes down to how what, what they can do now. And you mentioned Mark Santos's uh you know, targets. There was this weird hullabaloo <laughs> that came out of, you know, them saying the white caps have you know, there was a report that says I've I'm hearing reports the white caps have their target selected and they the ownership are willing to back it. And then it turns out that that target was Olivier Giroud of Chelsea, who is not coming. Yeah. <laughs> turns out he's just like, who? What? God, no. And I've seen, Miami? I've seen, Miami? <laughs> is, this, is this the team that David Beckham owns? Which one does David Beckham own? Um... Uh, 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 uh.
0: I have a theory that he probably just Googled like pictures of all the Whitecaps players' wives and didn't see anything to his liking, and then no. just carried on. But oh.
1: the uh the thing there is that like I saw somebody on Twitter. The thing that I wanted to talk about with this is somebody on Twitter said, "Oh well, you're just fans are just hypocrites saying the Whitecaps need to sign somebody good, and then it then they're linked with Giroud, and it's like, <coughs> oh well, now no, they need to keep their." their, their things they're thinking reasonable I don't think that those are are contradictory opinions because we're not saying that the way cap shouldn't sign a big player and certainly if Olivier Giroud wanted to to arrive why not go for it absolutely the point is is that the onus is on them to come up with something impressive and you know you can name the best player not, not the Giroud is one of the best players in the world, but you could name any top European forward that you could think of and draw them up on your your chalkboard. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get that player. I'm not saying the Whitecaps need to keep their, you know, that they need to not be ambitious. They need to be ambitious. But to imagine that you can sign a player that you can't is not ambition.
0: No, and I, I mean, I guess where do you come out on this of saying, like, I mean, I guess they tried. We don't even really know how much truth there is to this one, I suppose, but it seems like there's some weight to it, or it traveled fast anyway. But I mean, for me, it's like, well, it's just, it's maybe just again, like, is that really what we need in terms of, again, the white caps problem? Yes, it has been not spending money, but it's also been not spending money wisely. And a player like Olivier Giroud is gonna cost you as much as a Joseph Martinez. I'd rather have the Joseph Martinez. So like it it I get I get it. I get it. I do. Um I I certainly think, you know, Carlos Vela is a comparable player, um in terms of his European output. So sure. Um it makes sense, similar ages. It just you really have to think that... I mean, Marco Santos says he wants his lineup kind of figured out by December. He wants his, his key players in by then. Um Who knows? Who knows? Silly season is upon us. <laughs> like you said, if Giroud wants to come play for the Whitecaps, fine. The problem is he doesn't! <laughs> and not a lot of players of that stature will. And I I'd rather see us go after targets that are... Like more likely to come to the club, winnable players, than just go balls out spending an un, an insane amount of money for a player that is just like, what? Okay, yeah, whatever, I'll come to your club. <laughs> and not do much, right? Like, we just did that with Montero. Like, we need somebody who who's going to come and work hard for the club and not treat this like a paradise vacation. And I'm not sure that Giroud really fits that bill, despite his ability to score goals at this point in his career, I mean, the guy's looking to pad his retirement fund. And I'm, I'm quite fine with him moving along to a, another club and us looking for, again, maybe a player that's 25, 26, maybe a little bit more of an unknown entity who's going to come in with some pace and power and really make a name for themselves in MLS. I'd much rather that player. I don't know if our scouting is going to get it for
1: us. In terms of news around the league, Bastian Schweinsteiger has retired and will be uh, uh, ending his career in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing where I think that he really helped turn that team around. Uh, I don't know if we are guilty of judging a, a big player like that with by did they win a, a title when they were out here? Certainly, if if DC don't, that's something people are going to talk about with Rooney. Certainly, if we have seen if we. If LA Galaxy faceplant the way we think they're going to, that's something we're going to judge. It's slot time. but I think that Schweinsteiger's contributions have been huge. And even if, if to just turn around that team, yeah,
0: I mean, I also argue. I mean, Schweinsteiger is one of the most decorated players in football history. He's yes. won just about everything else. I don't think he's really going to be too upset. An MLS Cup wasn't one of them. Um, I think I think he's probably okay with the World Cup and Champions League cups. But yes. He's a competitor. He'll be disappointed that he didn't go out on a higher note, for sure. It's uh, undoubted he had that big impact on them and and the team and their mentality. Maybe just that when they really needed a boost to be more aspirational, he, he was able to provide it. And to, for a player like that to go and play center back for a string of games and not complain once about it, at least not openly
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, sa- says everything about what he's willing to do to, to make a team, a good team. And so for that, I think Chicago is always going to thank him. He's, he's never once sat on his laurels in, in Chicago. He's always come out and put on a, a, a performance and played to his levels. It was a bit of a weird news week. Cause at the same time as Basti's retiring, they also finalized that uh, Chicago will be moving to soldier field and, and having a fancy stadium to play next year. So it's sort of a, a bittersweet ending to things, I suppose. But I, I also respect that Spießtager really wanted to leave this until, like, the last week or two, and not make his retirement a big news item to distract his team and, and just sort of quietly, respectfully nod and say thank you, and I'll be on my way now.
1: Yeah. Goodbye, uh, goodbye, Basti. May the may the, the the Chicago Fire will have to win the World Cup without you. <laughs> Um, it'll be interesting to see the stadium. The biggest thing I always think of when I see something like this is, is this feature that I tweeted about the Palomar wrote for the athletic about mm-hmm. Philadelphia and, mm-hmm. in, in the fact that they had all these promises that they wanted to make about the, you know, to the, the smaller town where their stadium is located. Um, the locals don't really feel that those promises have been delivered on in any way. And, as they are trying to, I guess the team has bought the waterfront area around the stadium, but people are talking about the idea that they will follow Chicago in trying to find a a space in the city proper, Mm -hmm. which is just, it signals, one of the things I said when I talked about it was this, uh, the halting nature of MLS development priorities where 10 years ago everybody was being told they absolutely had to have a soccer-specific stadium no matter where they put it, and they all got put in the excerpts. And now the league's decided that actually you don't need intimate stadiums that are your own. You could totally just go back and play in the same NFL stadiums that you ran away from a decade ago.
0: You um, could play on a baseball field, a cricket pitch, public park, whatever.
1: In and, but the, the saddest image in it, and I honestly think that this is, this is not in any way my vision for soccer is this idea that that you have an area that is economically challenged and yeah. you have police basically safeguarding a bunch of people who drive in or or you know are conveyed in that, uh, to have like a good time and party and, and the the image that they the they paint is people literally sit like like on the outside looking in yeah. Of of this big gleaming stadium and like just having these different lives. I that is not my vision for soccer at all. And I really think that a stadium needs to involve the community around it. Which is yeah. generally why downtown stadiums are a good idea. It's just that leaving you now leave behind all of these soccer specific stadiums that yeah. you built. Was- you convince people to build in cases with taxpayer money.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and now towns or cities are left with that bill for decades, and um, with nothing to do in those fields. It it is it it is a shame. I mean, I hope that um maybe USL or um we'll, we'll see some use or something. But it, it's such a strange part of the game and a strange part of the industry that it, it's always unfortunate that it just never seems to really be a good news story, even when it's a good news story. Um, and similarly, Columbus announced uh, they broke ground today, I think, on their new stadium um, mm-hmm. in kind of a, like a similar story there. So it's an interesting one. That would actually be one of the sort of offseason stories I'd like to take a little bit more of a deep dive into is some of this the, the stadium histories. I mean, you've done a good job of highlighting these things up as they've become topical. But I'd be I'd be interested to to learn a little bit more and go a little bit deeper with it because it feels like we're just sort of barreling ahead with a, a new era of MLS. But as you said, there, it's not like you just can't leave the past in the past and forget about it <laughs> um, because you leave these monstros- monstrosity of stadiums in these derelict areas.
1: Although it was pointed out, you know, somebody was like, and soccer will leave seat geek stadium and NWSL fans say, Hey, there's a playoff game this weekend or not this weekend. There's yeah. a, there's a playoff game in two weeks. You jerks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as uh, it, and that is the the last piece of MLS news before I actually mention the NWSL. Have you heard this note that Um Ignacio Piatti is said to be unhappy that Montreal has triggered uh, the team option in in the, in his uh to to keep him around for another year.
0: I've heard rumblings, yeah, and I think he was supposed to be. Available for media coverage this week, and and some mysteriously was not, even though it had sounded like he was going to be staying with the club, but didn't want to talk to the media. So, we'll we'll have to watch that story develop.
1: Yeah, I guess he was maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll see a little bit more. Obviously, he's a great player for the for the club, but hopefully, we've seen club options. Vancouver fans have seen club options go bad before. No, in terms of Camilo. Uh, what what who's who? that never in, heard of them In the meantime I've got my I've got my list of October soccer schedule uh, dates uh, this weekend is the final week of NWSL games
0: mm-hmm.
1: with um, North Carolina playing Sky blue Orlando playing Seattle uh, Utah playing Houston and Portland playing Washington this game being being key to determine who will go to face the red stars. On October 20th uh, in the semifinal, whether or not it's still going to be Portland. Portland, I think, with the form that Seattle has, Portland definitely has to win that game if they don't want to face North Carolina in the first round, which they probably
0: don't.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the big big thing this weekend. October 15th, uh, Canada men's national team plays the U.S. men's national team in the Nations League at Bevo Field. And then next weekend after that, the, the PL Falls the KPL fall season ends.
0: Yeah. And just like that, it was all over, sort of.
1: <laughs> Until then, when can we find you online? Where can we find you online? How can we find well, you y- online? Well, usually
0: later in the evenings, but also <laughs> at that. So MLS on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Where can we find you?
1: You're, well, we're finding me like obviously after dark here in St. John. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at TeamBates. www.team-bates.com. I'm an editor at Howler Magazine. WhatHowler.com. You can find this podcast at www.that'smls.com and on Apple Podcasts and wherever you find podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe.
0: Yeah, do those things, and don't forget, listeners. We do do shows through the playoffs, obviously, and after the playoffs, we don't stop for nothing. We don't stop we're this,
1: not, crazy, this crazy we're league. We're not
0: a Minnesota defense. We're going to stay with things. <laughs> Keep that run going.
1: Absolutely. And that's a, a, a great thing to think of at that point, actually, is don't um, don't hesitate to let us know of topics that you'd love to see us do a deep dive in. Um, in some of those season. Heck yeah.
0: Lord knows we've got the time. <laughs> uh, and until next week. Um, maybe do get two players sent off and play some of the best soccer you've played all season. Who knows?
1: It's MLS. All bets are off.